Tinfoil Tales. I'm your host, Brandon. Tonight we're going to be joined by Mike. Mike has emailed out and said that he is experiencing out-of-body experiences. He's been having them for many years, and now he's learned to control them. Figured out a way to work the astral plane, it sounds like. So it's definitely a topic that I'm anxious to jump into. Before we do that, though, we got to take care of the business. If you've ever had an experience, you'd like to be on Tinfoil Tales, you can send an email to tinfoiltalespodcast at gmail.com. That's tinfoiltalespodcast at gmail.com. We'll get you scheduled for a future episode. If you've ever had an experience with paranormal, cryptids, aliens, UFOs, conspiracy, any type of weird stories or anything that you think would be cool to talk about on this podcast, please send an email. If you'd rather message the Facebook page, that's the other way to reach out to me. Just find Tinfoil Tells on Facebook. You can shoot a message over there. It'll come to me in Messenger, and that's an easier way to chit-chat with me in real time rather than sending an email. But whatever floats your guys' boat, go that route. I recently just released a new book that I'd wrote over a weekend. Kind of got bored, I guess, and went hyperfixation and decided to write a short story, and it ended up being like a 150-page-plus book. It's available now on Amazon. It's called Shadows of Cedarville. Kind of deals with a little bit of my own influence and then more or less with the whole dogmeg werewolf stigma and the lore that kind of goes along with that. So if you're interested in that type of stuff, you might end up enjoying reading the little book I wrote. There's also the book on the first few interviews that I had done. It's called Tinfoil Tales. That's available on Amazon as well. You can check that out if you're interested or just go back and listen to the old episodes. It's pretty much the same thing. It's based off the transcripts from those. If you want to help the podcast grow, please leave us a review. Written reviews are the best because then it actually lets me know what people are thinking. If you really like the show, you can leave a five stars and write something about it just because that helps with the views for people. to. If you really want to help out, you can leave a five-star review. That actually helps with the rankings of the podcast. And the higher the ranking, the more visible it becomes for other people to discover. You can also just keep sharing it. If you really like the show, if you have a specific episode or topic that you really enjoy, please share that to anyone that you can. So anyone that th- you think would actually enjoy it, whatever you got to do, it's definitely appreciated. You can find us on the social medias. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find podcasts, we're there. Again, I appreciate all you guys Appreciate all the hard work you guys have done. Because again, I don't do much promotion. So everything that's been growing from this podcast is literally people stumbling across it or word of mouth. So again, thanks for listening to this because without you guys listening, it kind of defeats the point of having the podcast. But with all that being said, we're going to shift gears now and bring Mike on. So I'm anxious to see what this where this topic goes. Definitely something that I'm not 100% familiar with, so hopefully it's a learning experience. I hope you guys enjoy it, but sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'd like to take this time to welcome my guest tonight, Mike. Thanks for coming out and talking with me. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. You want to give a little bit of background for the listeners on yourself? Okay, I've got like a little intro here. It kind of gives you kind of some groundwork. 
So the information that I share with you today is from my own personal experiences and explorations that span over many decades. And until this year, there were just a few people who were aware of my explorations. I've explored, experimented, documented, and questioned everything that has been presented to me, and I continue to do so to this day. Most of the answers that I have received are for questions that I've never asked, and the paths that I have been led to on my journey, I most likely would have never chosen at the time because they were far beyond my vision. We are all part of something much larger than we can even fathom in this or any lifetime. We are infinite spiritual beings temporarily living within the confines of a very limited three-dimensional physical body and world. I wanted to remind everyone of this before I begin describing my experiences because most of us are predominantly left-brain thinkers in our daily lives, and it usually takes a few key cues to activate our out-of-the-box thinking and listening skills that are usually in the right hemisphere. I am not here today just to share my theories, but to share my discoveries. I am not here to waste your precious time. So here are a few questions and answers to begin with. Is there really intelligent life besides humans? Answer is yes, there are. Some appear similar to humans, others cover themselves under hooded robes, and yet others are nowhere near our human form. But it's worth noting, without our human bodies, we don't resemble humans either. The second question, are there multiple dimensions besides this one? Yes, there are. And we do communicate with various ones on a subconscious level and I will cover this in our discussion today. And number three, where is the astral? The astral plane is right here, right now. It is layered over our three-dimensional plane. We will cover more. But if you have any specific questions that come up, just ask. And I want to continue a little bit. Spirituality wasn't meant to be taught. It was meant to be lived, explored, and experienced by you. Spirituality is your own individual experience. If you want to look for answers, you have to look within, not without. This is a really important point to cover because there is and has been a lot of misinformation out there to misdirect people away from the valuable connection we have to our source. Anyone that tells you they have the secret is selling you snake oil. There are a few people that I've ever met, come in contact with in the past that really know of what they preach. And these are the people that they themselves have actually explored experience, and question everything that they have encountered. There are a lot of people that have abilities, but those who blindly follow the information that they are given or just do as they are told are fools that are being misled. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there depending on these people for information that isn't going to get them where they want to go. The remainder of the spiritual jargon is for those who use buzz phrases like how to manifest riches to get you sucked into their methodologies that are created to keep keep you focused on their techniques that are a complete waste of time. Information can come from many sources, the subconscious, alternate realities, and the astral. None of these sources can be deemed trustworthy for these reasons. Everyone everywhere has their own agenda, and the spiritual beings and non-humans are no different. The second reason is artificial intelligence. It is prevalent in our world, and it's also prevalent in the astral and many other dimensions. So we must always keep this in mind. We are spiritual beings that do not need to rely on technology for anything. Spiritual beings under normal circumstances have the ability to naturally perform without technology. But there are many beings that are not spiritual in nature. So they depend on technology to survive and thrive. We must first 
<clears throat> excuse me, in order in in order for any being to attempt to take over over human control, we must we must first be confined to a three dimensional world in three dimensional bodies, and then have interference installed between us and our source. Only then can we be fascinated by and convinced that we need to rely on technology to survive. At that point, we can be manipulated by outside sources. So that's kind of my intro there. It's kind of like, um, just from my listening and everything else, it reminds me of a little bit of some of the other people that I've actually interviewed. And theirs are not so much kind of like what yours are, but to an extent, it does go back into like the consciousness, the soul, the mind, and everything else. Basically, um, we're all inside. I call it the meat suit. <laughs> but we're, uh, do you think it's almost like a simulation type world that we're living in, just like in our 3D world? And then there's other dimensions that we're interacting with. Well, since we're, since we are spiritual, we're a spirit, a soul, and then we're a body. And we're, and the spirit and the soul reside in the body. There are ways that you can travel out, like in the astral. The spirit will travel into the astral, which is out of the 3D world. And then the soul will travel beyond the astral planes. And so the only way that you, that you can um, basically get out of the 3D world is doing that. The other way is through point of focus. And, and I can cover that. Um, but what I can do real quick is just kind of go over um, how I started. Now that you have a little taste of where we're going. Um, I started out real young having um, out-of-body experiences that were uncontrolled. I didn't know what they were. I was a young kid, probably started about five years old. Uh, it scared me. This was back in the 70s where people really didn't speak much about it. And um, I would have them and with a lot of really weird dreams at the time. And all I did was suppress that information because uh, at the time I didn't want to end up in the state hospital or people thinking that I was crazy. So I forgot all about it until I was in my mid twenties. I discovered out of body experiences in a book. And then at that point I just kind of took off. I read everything I could about them. And I decided I was going to have a controlled experience, even with, and I didn't even remember of those, the, those experiences as a child. I just totally forgot about it until I had my first one. So uh, I read a book called Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe, and that's what sparked my interest. This was written back in the, I don't know, maybe late 60s, early 70s, about his experiences. And he opened up an institute called the Monroe Institute. Uh, to help people with, uh, you know, having their own out-of-body experiences. So he was real popular. Um, he had the best um, methodology to get yourself out of the body. And after about almost 12 months, it took me of trying, I was able to have a lucid dream and experience an out-of-body experience that was controlled. And... Um, at that point, I was outside. It was midnight. I was probably 12 feet above the ground, and I was just hovering there. And I knew that I was in an out-of-body experience because it's so much different from a dream because you know where your body's at. Your body's in bed. You can feel it, but you can also feel yourself and your consciousness 
outside with you. You can feel the cold air. You have a much larger vision, peripheral vision than you do with your physical sight. And I spent that a few minutes up there just amazed that I had finally succeeded. And at that point, you know, I had succeeded in my goal of having that. And I figured at that point, it would be much easier to uh, experience that again, because I'd already done it one time. Well, I, that didn't happen. I spent a lot of time, probably months more, trying to pursue that same goal and just didn't happen. In the meantime, I was doing, uh, you know, some Kundalini yoga and I tried some other things. It was a metaphysical phase at the time going through a lot of that. Not saying that anything helped, but it just happened to be what I was doing along in my life at the time. And then probably about six months later, I had another um, lucid dream. And what I mean by lucid is you become completely conscious in your dream. So you're just as conscious as you are right now, but you're in a dream. And at that point, you can manipulate the dream. And at that point, you can use that as the gateway to go to the astral. And basically, all you have to do is tell yourself that you want to have an out-of-body experience when you're at that point. And then you'll be taken out of the dream and into that experience. But the second time I did it, it didn't work that way. I ended up back in bed with my eyes closed, laying on my side. And when you normally are laying in bed at night with your eyes closed, there's just black. Well, in the middle of that black was an oval-shaped viewing, live viewing of a city with white buildings. They were, it wasn't a regular city. It looked like a different than I've ever seen. And there was, it was a, I would say it was an oceanside town, but it was kind of built along the edge of the water. And it was live. I could see Im the images fluctuating and it was an aerial view. And around that oval shape that was cut into the darkness was what I'm guessing is like a frame or a description of what that was. But it was written in a different language and different symbols that I'd never seen before. And so for 30 seconds, I laid in bed looking at it going, wow, what is this? It's not an out-of-body experience, but this is something I've never seen or heard of before. So after about 30 seconds, it started, the image began to fade and I opened my eyes. And at that point I had no other name for it other than I just called it a viewing because I didn't know what it was. So I wrote down, I have, a, I've been keeping a dream journal at that point for probably about six years. So I would just write all my dreams down and I wrote that down. And so a couple months later, I had another experience where I became lucid in a dream. And I also ended up with one of those viewings. This time it was on a foreign place that was more of a, a desert-like landscape. And it was a live viewing. I could see, you know, dust moving around and stuff, but I wasn't able to change my viewpoint. So I could see it, but I couldn't manipulate it. So again, I sat there and I experienced it. It faded. I wrote down the description. And this was probably about 26 or 28 years ago. 
And since that time, I've had hundreds of these experiences. But over time, the experiences have changed. Instead of the oval shape, they've expanded to my whole viewing. Now, when you're viewing with the third eye, you're not viewing at the same peripheral vision that you get when you're looking through your physical eyes. It's much wider, maybe three times wider, three times taller. It's, it's, it's such, it's a completely different vision. It's just as clear, but it's, it's not the same. So it expanded. So my full vision would be me laying with my eyes closed and I'm seeing this. And I would say it was HD. It was that clear. So I'm getting these. And at times they will show up as images, almost like somebody showing me a slideshow. It looks like an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that's being moved over a slide like they used to have in school, the slideshows where they put a piece of paper on there on the overhead and then they move it over. But it's all written in a different language with symbols I don't even understand. And these viewings, which are portals, they only last anywhere from between 15 to 30 seconds. That's it. At that point, they start to degrade and they fade away, which I discovered is the reason why it happens is because it takes a certain amount of energy to open the portal to begin with. And then in order to keep the portal open and active, it also requires a certain amount of energy. Now, I wasn't opening these portals, but at some point for, with me being connected to them, it's also utilizing some of my energy. So if I were to have uh, one experience one night and another one of these experience the next night, then the second one would be about half the length as the other one, and it would be, the quality would be degraded. And if I tried to have a one in the third night, then it would be so fuzzy, I probably couldn't see it and it would last maybe only five seconds. So I discovered that I have to build up enough energy over time in order to keep these portals open. And so I'm receiving information I don't understand. Um, I'm getting to see uh, different loc locales and so I'm just writing everything down. I'm just, I, I don't know what else to do. I've asked around some of the people I know in the community. They gave me some ideas, but nobody's able to answer my questions. So here I am. I'm just going to document. I'm going to document. I'm going to think about it. I, and I'm just going to keep, you know, experiencing them as much as I can. And hopefully I'll get to a point where I can do some manipulation or things, you know, I can, I can do more than what I can do other than just lay there and watch. Um, at one time, I was able to enter one, and I was able to access uh, what's on the other side of it. And it was uh, a foresty area with a path that I kind of floated over. I entered it, didn't try, it just happened. I kind of floated over the path, saw some footprints in there, felt the wind, saw the clouds, the trees, real enjoyable. But then at a certain point, when things start to become, you know, fuzzy or, uh, you know, kind of pixelated, then I know it's time that I it has to end. So at that point, you know, I've never left my bed. It's my spirit that's making the, the move. But other than that, you know, it's 
for me, I'm in bed with my eyes closed. If I were to open my eyes during the experience, it would uh, it would shut the portal down. And if I went to close op- close my eyes again, it wouldn't be there. So the manipulation, I had some access to the manipulation, but I wasn't the I'm not the one opening those portals. So over time, I was exposed to two dimensional worlds. I was exposed to regular three dimensional looking worlds. Um, I'm exposed to different landscape, different architecture. It's just been it's it's uncontrollably just I pop in. I could be in the middle of somebody's kitchen just pops in. Nobody's there. And I've experienced other I call them beings. But the only people that I've exposed that I've been exposed to in the nightly portals were in robes, robes and hooded. I can't see their faces. They keep their heads down. They know I'm there, but they don't make any. They their their only goal at the time is moving out of my vision, because I can't change it. So I went through that for many years, and then I got to a point where I said, "I really need to do something else because I'm not able to move forward." At the time, I was working, and I had an hour to an hour and a half, maybe two hour uh, commute to work and the same coming home. And usually coming home was worse. I live in Phoenix and in the summertime, sitting in traffic when it's real hot, you're hot from the day, you're tired, your air conditioner doesn't work as well when you're sitting in all that traffic and the heat, you get tired, your mind drifts. And I got to a point where I caught myself drifting and I realized there was something there. And I wanted to know what it was. So it took me almost two years of trying off and on in order to get to the point where I could enter that state somewhat controllably to find out what this was. I had no idea what it was. When I first, when I first discovered them, I call them a glimpse. That's exactly what they are. And after I was able to, and the problem with this methodology and this program is when I'm accessing it, I, I have all the information on the other side. It's almost like crossing the veil. And then when I come back, everything that I've experienced is completely erased. And sometimes I'll get a little bit of information that maybe I saw that I was talk that somebody was talking to me, but I can't remember anything about it. As soon as I cross back over, it was all gone. It's almost like walking through a magnetic field with a hard drive. It's done. So it took me a while. And then I finally persisted enough to get to a point where I could understand and bring back the information. And what it is, is these are a portal. They're another form of a portal. And what's happening is on a daily basis, most of us drift in and out of these uh, alternate dimensions. And we have communications 
with other dimensions. We don't know it. It's on a subconscious level. I was doing it and I happened to catch myself, maybe because I've already had these portal experiences, but I didn't know what they were. I called them glimpses. And then one time I visited and I appeared at the end of a cave. And at the other end of a cave, there was another hooded figure in a dark, long, it looks like a monk's robe. And a guy was on there. And there's no, there's no, there's no speaking in there. It's all telepathic. And he told me that these are portals. And what what you see here, we get to see on the other side. So what I'm seeing, they're seeing as well. So they're seeing my side as well as I'm seeing their side. So this was another form of a portal. And we communicate naturally through these all the time, and yet we're unaware of it. So I've spent a lot of time going in and out of them. And just as the other portals are, the nighttime portals, these daytime glimpses, they also require a certain amount of energy. If I keep pushing myself, now when I go in and out of them, it might be on my on this side, it might be, I don't know, by the time that I enter it and the time I exit it, it might be 10 seconds, but it might feel like 10 minutes on that side. And what will happen is I will communicate. Actually, they communicate to me. So I get there. I'm in a certain scenario. They are telling me something and I leave. I enter again. I'm in a different scenario. They tell me something and I leave. A few times I've, there's been two-way communications. But when you, when you enter it, they're right there. They give you information and then you leave. So at the time, just write everything down. I document everything. And then any of the information I get, put it to the test. I question every single thing that happens to me. Because there's too much. There's, I've been told that these, can, these, uh, these connections, these gateways can be kept open. I've been told that twice. And there's no damn way that I'm willing to do that. I will not go through that. If you never know what the agenda of someone else is, and you don't even know who they are, because you, when you see when you see something or see somebody else, you could be seeing what they want you to see. So you, you don't really, you don't really know. Do you happen to even know like what these entities are that you're encountering? Are, are they human? Are they like people like you, or do you are well, you not sure? On an average, there's a, there's a couple of them that I have seen that are just. It's almost hard to explain. They do mostly carry a human form, and I think the reason be, behind that is is so that we so that I will accept them. I won't question what I hear from them if they look like me. Because they know what I look like. They can see me and I can see them. But they can portray themselves as something different. I can't. So they could be just, like I said, they could be um, dressing themselves up to something I feel comfortable with. Yeah. 
I've never been in, a, in an instance where it's been threatening. I have been, uh, and, and what I have discovered too, though, is these portal experiences the, through communication and, and travel and that, that is a, a completely accepted uh, form of communication, travel, and there's other uses for them as well. But people, I mean, not people, but other beings use these on a continual basis. The problem I have is I have no way of knowing where I'm going to end up. You know, it's almost like taking a handful of pennies and throwing them. And then I'm going to land where one of them hits. I have no idea. So I end up in these situations just like we would on a normal basis that people do on a daily basis and don't even realize it. So we have this innate form of connection that our spirit or soul or our spiritual self is plugging us into different things during the day. It happens. I would have never believed it if I wouldn't have experienced it myself. And I've experienced it well over a hundred times just in these. And, you know, and now I've gotten to the point where I've been doing this for eight years, this part of it for eight years. And a lot of times if I'm just kind of tired and I start to relax, then some of the information starts to come through and I'm like, okay, all right, well, that wasn't really useful, but you know, I'll write it down. So it, it's happening and it's, and I know it's not just happening to me. It's got to be happening to, you know, to everyone else as well, because, you know, we're all, we're all equal when it comes down to it. So, uh, hold on a second. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. So that's for, in that aspect, in that respect, I've, um, I've spent a lot of time on, on just the glimpses. I spent more time on them than the regular portals because there's more of a, of, of a control. I have control of when I enter and and more of control on what information I receive because I can do more and one more than one at a time. If I have one experience, I can come back and then have another experience and then until my energy level starts to drop. But everything that I'm told, I, I don't buy into. I have to come to a point where I have to um, verify information. And I if I haven't verified any information, I don't share it with anybody else because I don't know if it's real or not. And um, like I said, with the dream, with the astral, with the dream world, there's a lot of manipulation going on there. I think a lot of people in their dreams are getting manipulated. I've been recording dreams over 30 years. So, and I can remember, I've, I've written them down enough to I remember what's going on, what's happening. So in the dream, a lot of times I can pick up things that are just not, they're just not normal. And it's changed vastly over the past 30 years, the the, uh, the landscape of the dream world. It's completely changed. Um, I've been put in situations where I call it being parked. You're in a dream and basically you're, you're overwhelmed with monotonous tasks. And if you're not fully conscious, you're not going to break out of it. You just kind of wake up and go, well, I just spent the past half the night trying to move a stupid log what was the 
what was the idea behind that? You know, so I'll write it down or, um, you know, I'm semi-conscious during the dream and I'm working out some things. And the next thing I know, it just all kind of blows up in the end. And I'm like, wow, this was the, the, the dream landscape is, is completely manipulated. And I don't think a lot of people really pick up on it because they don't pay so much attention to it. But I've got so much experience in the field that I just I can see it, you know, and I compare what I had 20 years ago and I can see that there's there's a lot of change in it. And that's why I said in the beginning, there's there is AI is everywhere. You know, we're being manipulated in physical life as well as is in the spiritual side. You know, that's something that that's pretty it's pretty standardly known around the, you know, around uh the people that work in this field you know it's just something people understand i actually use ai for a lot of the stuff that i do for artwork purposes and it's coming in handy now to where if i need something made i can hurry up and do it and not rely on someone else to do it but i understand the other artificial intelligence that's out there that goes on that we don't really know about it. I've got my own little theories out there of the world that we live in isn't exactly what it adds up to be. Well, the thing that, that I find is I can see that there are other beings, other dimensions, because I obviously experienced them and they know and know how to utilize portals. They know all about them and they do utilize them. So if, if to the, if to them that is so prevalent and just kind of, you know, well-known, just think of the other things that they, that they know that we don't know. I mean, there's, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've seen some things that I don't know if, if it comes back as relative as it really is, but there's just, a, there's a lot of differences and similarities but then again they can project something for me to see that might not be really there i did uh i did have a an experience with um with another being it was it was in june um it was during one of the glimpses and i i came in and they their physical appearance is similar to um, a rectangle with a rounded top and it's three-dimensional and then above that is like almost like a bowling ball and it's all glossy black and then depending on who they were they had these different colored stripes on them now they were completely uh, sturdy there was no there was no it was like they were made out of steel shiny steel they floated above the ground so there weren't physically human. They could have been spiritual beings that had these, that made these bodies. So I, I, I popped into their, like a huge, almost looked like a church. There was eight of them. And the, uh, they obviously knew I was there right when I, when I showed up, I could see clear view of the whole room. And um, they told me, he said, uh, he said, I know who's nosy. And he said, and so he made me repeat this. He made me repeat what he wanted me to say. Now, this is telepathically. He said, say this. He said, say it again. 
He said, say it again. His English was more of a broken nature. So I said it out loud. I came back. I wrote it down. I recorded it exactly the way he said it. And I listened to it about 10 times before I really understood what he was saying because of the, it was, it was, he didn't have a good form of English. So I figured it out and basically told me I was intruding on their, on their gathering. And that's the first time that I've ever had anything that was, would, could be considered negative, any experience that I could be considered negative. Cause most time they just talk to you, they give you information and then you move on. So that was the only, that was the only towards the negative of anything that I've ever seen or experienced, never had anybody threatening. I've never felt threatened. I've been in um, the midst of some pretty weird, what I would consider weird looking creatures and never felt threatened because when you have the portal connection, whether it be the one at night or the glimpse, you kind of know what they know, but you can also feel it, the feelings are on both sides. So you're not just portraying um, telepathic speech. They know something about you and you know something about them and you know something about the environment and you know something about your environment. So there's more than just verbal communication going on. It's like a, you know, you, you, there a lot more passes through, a lot of energy passes through those portals because if I'm keeping it open, I'm passing energy through there. And then they're reading that form of energy is probably like a DNA. I don't know. I'm not sure because, you know, I, I haven't gotten that far and I probably will never know that, but I do know that the energy levels and the, and the types of energy that it requires in order to, to uh, do these is uh, it's, it gets to be a little daunting at, at times. Um, it does, it does require quite a bit. So if you're, if you're really low on energy, then it's just, it just won't work. And there's times that I feel like going in there and, and, and it just doesn't happen. But if you're potentially opening open and, um, you just happen to be really relaxed and your levels are good, then, you know, then it stuff just starts coming through. Do you think that they come into our world as well as us going into theirs? Oh, I'm sure. Well, now that brings up something else. When we we see about not even 1% of the visual spectrum here on Earth. So there could be beings standing next to us, and we would never know it if it's out of our visual range. And almost everything is out of our visual range. We have a very, very small visual range. So we have absolutely no idea what's really going on around us. I mean, when, you know, when you're feeling sick or whatever, who knows? There could be something right next to you. You, you would never know. And as with the astral, the astral is just basically another frequency. So I'll bring this up while we're on that. <clears throat> and this is what I've discovered. You know, everything I talk about is something that I've had to discover or I've, I, you know, found out or explored. When, when I 
crossover in the glimpses, it's all based on my point of focus. And this is for everybody. Wherever you're focused is, is what you affect and where you go. Now, when I not just focusing on it, you have to you have to be in tune with it. So, for instance, if if my point of focus is in this other dimension, when I cross over, I no longer am bound by the physical laws of this dimension of the 3D world because in order for me to cross beyond our dimension, it's across space time, even if it's next to me, because I have to go into a different dimension. If I cross that, I am no longer bound in my consciousness by physical laws. Because if I was, then I would be speed of light, you know, it would it because it, it transcends that your consciousness can transcend anything. It, there, it, there are no laws for your consciousness. It can transcend any law. So when you focus on these other dimensions or crossing through a portal, you're not bound by that. Now, your physical body is still bound because it's still in the physical. But your consciousness, your traveling consciousness is not. And it's difficult at first to get your consciousness to cross over and then come back with the information. That's where the, that's the difficult part. Now I was thinking like you'd mentioned you'd seen creatures or whatever. And anyone that listens to this podcast, I've interviewed quite a bit of people that have had experiences of like seeing weird things like so like a Bigfoot or something like that, and they claim they just vanish, they disappear, they have some sort of interdimensional stuff that goes on with them. And it made me wonder, when you mentioned you'd seen weird creatures, is anything like that you think, like the weird stuff that you'd seen, is able to come into our world transparent, like transfer from one dimension to the other, they bleed into our world, I would explain why. Some people can see them. They can't get a photo of them. They bleed back out and they go back to their own dimension. I know it's kind of, it's a weird, weird concept, but that's more that I've been reading into and looking into and interviewing people with. The whole portal thing seems to come into play with these weird cryptid creatures and sightings. Well, I can tell you from experience that they can create a portal. You can cross through the portal. And they can return. That's that's completely acceptable. There's a possibility that they may may be able to do that. May they they could be a, a creature that um, some of the creatures that I see could be spiritual based. They could be ether based. Um, some of them could be more physical based. Some of them could be could be all physical based, and they don't have any spiritual. Uh, tendencies but if you have a creature that could be potentially one one or both then they would have abilities to be able to cross over they're not they're not stuck on one you know in one plane they could be like you said interdimensional 
But the portholes, if you if you understand how to use them, then it's it's something that is widely acceptable. It's like using the telephone. You know, if somebody comes comes here from 1975 and they try to use a touchstone, you know, one of the touchscreen phones would be completely different, foreign to them. But after they learned how to utilize them, then it's it's not it's not a mystery anymore. Yeah. So when we when we tend to look at things and it this is this is where I I always found it difficult, even after I'm experiencing these portals. The the deniability that we experience in life is so strong that at times I would just forget I have them. And it, it's it was so weird. I'm like, how could you know, how could I, you know, I, I was busy with life at the time. I was in my twenties. I had uh, a young family. I was working construction. I was going to school at night. So I was, I was putting these things aside. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to write a book about them. I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody because I just, I really didn't know what to say. What are you going to say? Okay. I see portals and what if people aren't going to say anything, you know, they don't know what to say. Can't prove it. So I just kind of put them aside. They kept happening. And eventually just last year, I kept getting these instances where I was just kind of getting pushed and pushed. And then finally, I decided, okay, I'll write a book. I did write a very short book. It's only like 33 pages. I put it on Amazon. It's called My Dark Explorations. I put it on there just to share my experiences with people. I don't like to put a lot of fat, you know, a lot of past history, whatever. I just put what I experienced in my book just so people have some groundwork and understand without having a bunch of stuff that they don't care about. So I did that. And that was the first time that I've ever told anybody this year. I mean, my wife knew about it and one or two other people that I've known, but nobody knew about it. I kept these journals to myself and I kept these experiences to myself. And then I thought to myself one time, I go, well, you know, there's really no benefit to anybody else by me just keeping this information and not sharing it. I didn't really know what to do, you know, I didn't. And um, so I contacted a couple of people and they said, yeah, you should just, you know, write it down, put it in print and, and just put it on there and see what people think. If they like it, great. you know, and you can teach some other people how to do it. And then uh, you can go from there. But for me, I'm a very practical person. You know, I don't, I don't like the glitz or, or anything like that. I just, I just want the information. I don't really want all this background crap about somebody's college degree or whatever, you know, that's, that's not important to me. When I read a book, I like to get to the meat of the story, you know, to the information. And that's why when I share my information, I don't want to just share my philosophies or my theories. I want to share information that I've experienced and I can say, yeah, yeah, that is real. Now I don't expect every, anybody to believe me or to take my, take, you know, what I say for granted, I think everybody should prove everything for themselves. If you're going to believe something, then prove it. If you if you say, oh, I believe in astral projection, but you've never had it, go have one. Go through the process. And you'll understand how, how much work. It'll be more work for some, not as much work for others. But once you've proved to yourself that this is possible, then it opens up a whole new level for you. If I wouldn't have gone through and pushed 
through to the, do the astral projection in my 20s and work that hard, I don't think I would have ever gotten to this portal thing. And even though I got the portals, I didn't get any answers. <laughs> I got more questions than answers. I just, I was like, great. What the hell do I do with this? You know, and, and years later, I'm like, I'm, I'm still not any farther than I was before. You know, I'm still having them, but, you know, I, I still can't read that language and I still don't understand what this stuff means. And it's not there long enough for me to, I don't have a photographic memory, so I can't, you know, I can't write down every symbol that, I, that I've seen and, and try to make heads or tails of it. There would be nowhere to look. So it was very frustrating, beyond frustrating. It, it, you know, you get to a point where you're like, throw your hands up and you say, I just, I don't know what to do, you know? And that's why I'm glad the the experience opened up for the glimpses so that I could begin to get some answers, not to all my questions, but I started getting answers based upon the information that I got. And then I knew that I could, that I could induce these and then cross over, get information and bring it back. Now, how do you, I'm trying to figure out how to word this properly. How would you explain to someone how they're able to do this themselves? Like what would be, I know you said like a dream state, lucid dreaming and realize that, but how does one know when they're lucid dreaming anyways? Like I feel like I've had dreams to where I know that I'm dreaming and I can talk to myself in my dreams and kind of shift my dreams by knowing that I'm dreaming, but I've never experienced anything else other than that. Okay. There's, there's two ways to get through, um, into astral projection. Okay. These are the two ways that I learned. And this is the only two ways that I could figure ever figure. One way is kind of forcing it. So basically you're laying in bed on your back, trying to get yourself to relax. You go through like a paralyzed type of a thing, and then you will yourself out of your body. You try to get the spirit to uh, separate and go through all this process. I tried that. Wasn't for me. I said, screw this. So what I did was, and this is how uh, Robert Monroe in his book originally uh, laid out. So I had an extremely hard time realizing I was dreaming. So this is what I set up for myself. So during the day, as soon as I got up in the morning, I would say, are you dreaming? And I'd look around and this is one way that you can tell if you're dreaming or not. Okay. So if you're in a dream, if you look at something and turn your head and look back at it, it will be different than what it was. It will change. Of course, in physical life, that's not going to change. You look at a chair, you turn away, you look at the chair again, the chair is still there. It's not moved. It will change in a dream. So what I would do is I would say, am I dreaming? Then I would look at something, turn my head, look at it again. I'm like, nope, I'm not dreaming. So I would say that out loud every time. I, I got myself to the point where I was setting my alarm on my phone, on my watch. And then every time I would hear that, I would ask myself. And then when I remembered, I would ask myself, I was doing that for months and months so that I would be, so that my mind, my subconscious was under, uh, you know, constant questioning so that when I got into a dream, 
the first dream that I became conscious, I I noticed something. Something wasn't right. And I said, I'm dreaming. I told myself I'm dreaming. And then I said, told myself in the dream, I want to have an out-of-body experience. And as soon as I as soon as I got that thought through, I was pulled out of the dream. And that's when I found myself floating above the side of my house. That was my first controlled out-of-body experience. That's how I was able to do it. And then from then on, I continued that process. And the very next time is when I saw the, when, when I was, instead of pull, being pulled out of the dream and going to my astral body, I was pulled out of the dream back into my bed with my eyes closed and the portal in front of me. And every single time after that, that I realized that I was dreaming and it became more and more prevalent. I will be back in bed. I would completely bypass the astral completely and I would go back to there. And it finally got to the point where I didn't even have to ask myself anymore. I if I was if I happened to be in a dream where it was very, you know, like sometimes you you know in a dream where the hair stands up on the back of your neck, like you feel like something's coming up behind you or you're walking into a dark alley. As soon as as soon as that would happen, I'm pulled out of the dream and there's the portal. So it was automatically happening. Whether when something in that dream got kind of hairy or it got kind of absurd, where I would just I would barely even notice it and I'm pulled out of the dream. So I I was completely bypassing the astral. And that's a whole nother story. I think I'm being kept out of there for a, for some purpose. And these portals are are something else. But I'm glad that I had the experiences because I was able to learn from it. And it's something completely different. So I was able to learn from it and and access it. But that's how you can enter the easiest way I found to to have an out-of-body experience. You mentioned something a little bit ago about leaving like a portal open or something like that, you think. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think if someone were to do that and they left it open, that's just allowing, and I said, you, you never really had any negative stuff, but I'm assuming there is negative entities out there, some sort of spirituals or whatever. Would that be something to where people would be able to, I don't want to say demonic, but like people that experience, they think hauntings or possessions or anything like that. It's actually a portal that's been left open and it's allowed some sort of yeah. entity to come in. I was told twice within the first within the within the first couple of weeks that I started these controlled glimpses. I was told that twice by two different by two different I call them beings. They they looked they looked human, but I, I, that doesn't mean they were. Uh, they they said it in different ways, but at both times in the experience, I said nope. And when I came back, I wrote it down, you know, I documented it, but at no time did I ever, ever even consider it. I will, I would not consider, I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting these experiences. I haven't had any negative effects from any of them. Um, It's all been positive. I've learned from it. But when somebody tells me that we can leave that open that to me was undermined. 
I, there, there was obviously some, they had some reasoning behind it and agenda. The other thing is the only way that you could leave one of those portals open is if you had an energy source that would keep them open. Now, I don't have an energy source that would, would keep them open for any length of time. So it would either drain me beyond my resources on my side to keep it open. And they somehow had a way to open it on, to keep it open on their side. So if, yeah, it just, it didn't fly. Like I said, everything I experience, I question. And to me, that was, nope. I, that was, uh, see, that happened eight or nine years ago. And I would never consider it. It was, it just was something that I was like, hell no, not going to happen. You know, I mean, uh, having the portals is nice, but what at the point that I'm using them as there hasn't been any interaction to where somebody's tried to cross over. And I, what I do believe is these are a controlled portal. Now, what I'm what I was seeing at night is obviously the clarity and the amount of time they ran. Somebody else, there was something else powering them. The something else initiated. Now I, I've initiated a couple of them on my own, and they're very, very energy intensive. If you're gonna open one of those, then you better have a really good amount of energy. And that just that wasn't my forte. Somebody else is opening those. Now, the glimpses, completely different. They're a very brief, uh, different setting, and they're more of a communication connection. So these are, you know, but if you're going to open these larger ones, you have to have a, a pretty good energy source to initiate it. Because, you know, I mean, you're, you're basically creating an opening in space-time. And I'm sure governments and science labs have created them but i'm sure they use an exorbitant amount of energy to make it happen this is on a completely different level but in order for these to connect two dimensions it's simultaneously for a, an ex, for a period of time it's that's a lot of that's a lot of energy and I didn't really realize it until I really got into it. But yeah, you're they 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 had some alternate um, ideas in mind, and I just wasn't gonna. I did I didn't even consider it one bit ever. How do you feel about what you do to people that say they remote viewing, like they can sit in a room and see someone else or see something that's going on? Is that something that you think is kind of connected to what you do too? Or is that something different in your opinion? Um, I know there's different ways. Now, I wouldn't, this would probably not be a good uh, uh, option for re remote viewing. Because if if you, you need to connect to something for an extended period of time, you wouldn't have the energy to keep it open. There's no way. So remote viewing has to be based upon, uh, I don't know, maybe with the spirit or something. But this is you couldn't you couldn't maintain a, an energy level high enough to uh, to remote view with this. It wouldn't stay. You couldn't stay connected long enough. 
I don't think I don't think it would work. So this is a, a little bit of a different level than what they're utilizing. Now, I have read about remote viewing before, and it's it's different. But like I said, I don't think if this would be good for that because it's just a uh, it's just too energy intensive. Yeah, I'm not real sure a whole lot about any of this. So to me, it's I just find it fascinating to listen about it and kind of hear more about it, but I've been on this whole portal kick the last few months or so, just because the more people I've been interviewing with some of the strange things, I've started to get the idea that maybe the, almost everything that we can relate to supernatural, paranormal, anything like that, even aliens to an extent, they're not necessarily what we think they are. They could just be something coming into our world from a different dimension through a portal through through something else. Like it's bleeding into ours would explain why with hauntings, people only see like these shadows or whatever. It's like they're claiming, Oh, it's a residual haunting. Well, maybe it's just the other spectrum. Like you referred to earlier, it's they're already there anyways. We just can't see them and we're just picking up glimpses because they're starting to bleed into what we can see here and there. I, I do believe that hauntings and and ghosts and apparitions are all based on the astral plane. Um they're energy signatures that remain. And um I've been on the astral and you wouldn't know the normal person wouldn't know the difference between the astral and the physical, um, in in my opinion, except for the the view, you know, your view is expanded view. Um, you obviously feel different, and and that sort of thing. But when you when you're there, it looks no different than just being in the physical. Now, when Entities or apparitions, they say they're walking around in the astral or their energy uh, signatures are still there based upon some things. That's probably true. And that's probably why people can see them at certain times. They said you can see them if there's smoke in the air or or different or you can pick up the energy signatures of them. Um, you know, energy is everywhere. And I never was really into the whole ghost thing or or you know, the ghost hunting or anything like that. I mean, at times I've seen or feel, felt things and, um, but I've never felt any, you know, that I was threatened or anything, you know, I, for me, if I saw something like that, I would just bypass it and, and move on. It's, it, it's never been anything of interest to me. Um, so I don't think that's why I've ever really, you know, focused on it. Uh, I've been so busy with other things and trying to, you know, follow through with, what I'm studying and, and experiencing that I just, you know, i never put any effort towards it. Yeah. I just, with this podcast, I'm pretty much all over the whole spectrum of. Right. Anything. So it's like, I know that when people are listening to this, they're, they're going to have the same questions that I do. That's kind of like what you're talking about to me. Well, what, 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 like what I would blend in together with some of the stuff that, I think people are encountering. I wrote down some notes here that I, I want to share too. Um, and this might have a little bit of a, um, this kind of might fall into this, uh, the subject. Um, the dimensional connections 
are similar to local radio station channels. They all are here all the time, but in order to experience them, you need to have the ability to tune in to their frequency. So, you know, all the different channels are floating around the sky where you're at or for your local channels. But unless you have a receiver that tunes into that channel, that crystal that tunes into that channel, you'll never know what's on it. It says we all connect to multiple dimensions many times, sometimes multiple times a day during our lives on a subconscious level. And fortunately, I was able to catch several of these experiences occurring. So what I discovered is when I'm not consciously focusing on my daily life, like the TV or driving or whatever. And what I notice is when I'm driving and you start to just, you're sitting in traffic and your mind just will, you'll start to daydream or you'll start to drift almost to the point of where you're falling asleep. And at that point, you've crossed the frequency of tuning for that connection. And that's what I do. I, I have located the frequency or the tuning frequency of that, uh, of that connection. And then I'm able to tune into it to do it. So what I said before, it's your point of focus. Where do you focus on? Sometimes not focusing on something allows your subconscious to focus automatically so there's you know how there's different brain waves like you have alpha beta theta and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so when you're sleeping you know and when you're relaxing or when you're in your daily life so what happens is you will change the frequency of your brain waves as you do certain things now one thing i tell everybody is daydreaming and visualizing are your biggest benefits. If you can visualize well, and if you can daydream on a regular basis, you are exercising those muscles that will allow you to easy to connect easier. So for instance, when I'm in the car, when I was in the car and I just kind of drifting off, I would hit that frequency. And I was doing it over and over. I got to the point where when I would get in the car, I could not daydream and I could not allow my thoughts to drift off from what I was doing, which was driving. Because if I got to the point where it would automatically drift off and I wouldn't be here, even if it was for a second, because it only takes a second for something to happen, and then I would come back. So I had to completely stop doing that. Because it was just getting out of control. It would switch over. And then who knows how long it was until I came back. So I couldn't do it. But I got to the point where I allow, that, that allowed me the ability to be able to tune into that frequency. So I hadn't done it for a while. And I had to sit down. And I had to get myself back into, into the, um, the swing of things. Being able to allow my consciousness to drift to that point where it connected and the weird thing about it is when you're in a dream you don't realize you're dreaming most of the time so what happened is if you connect to this these dimensions through this portal when you connect to it 
it has the tendency, like a dream, to just bring your consciousness, you know, what it does is it kind of overloads your consciousness with what's happening there. And it just accepts it like a dream. But I've been doing it for so long that I quickly realized, hey, this is not a dream. This is the connection. And I need to pay attention so that I can remember what's happening. So the benefit is of asking yourself and becoming conscious of where you're at and asking yourself all the time if you're dreaming not only helps you out for your lucid dreaming to have an out-of-body experience, but it'll also assist you when you try to make uh, these connections. And um, at one point, I'm going to have uh, some classes just to sit down with a, a small group of people just to get them um, on the same page so they can practice it on their own to be successful. And at that point, then I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is possible for everybody. And it, it's going to take some time and some practice, but I, I believe it's possible for everybody. And that's why I talk about it, because I think people would completely benefit from it, not only from the realization aspect of it, but also from the learning aspect of it, because you have at that point, you've proven to yourself that there is so much more out there. And then you start to look at things in a little bit different light. And also, as you start to experience things, other things will come within your in your realm. Things will come to you. All of a sudden, something will pop up, just like the portals popped up on me. I I didn't know. You know, I, I wasn't in control of it. It happened. And that's what happens when you take an interest in it and start to pursue it. And um, you you spend time and effort into it. Then it'll start to pay back. Now, basically, for... Do you recommend people to try to do this or do you think it's something that could be considered dangerous if they don't know what they're doing? Well, from what I've experienced is if, if you really don't, if you really don't have the basics down, you're probably not going to be successful because in order for you, some people are naturals. So maybe they can pick it up real quick that, you know, never discount a natural ability. But other times, the way I look at it is, I just know that certain, at if you have the foundation, the foundational support, so if you've, you know, if you've got your subconscious set up to where you're always questioning, uh, you know, whether you're awake or not, that's the first step that will get you in tune. It's not only just for an astral projection, but it also uh, assists in the glimpse because you're constantly questioning. If something is just a little bit out of the ordinary, your subconscious or your conscious, uh, uh, your consciousness will will catch it before you even even realize it, and then it then it'll pull you into what's going on. So it's it's a i think it's more difficult at the time to have a glimpse experience because it took me a lot more time than it was to have an astral 
uh, projection experience because I was able to get past the dream, you know, the consciousness in a dream. I was able to do that much easier than I was able to uh, bring back information uh, from the portal connection. I call a glimpse. That was more, that was more difficult and time consuming to be able to bring that information back because even though I could make the connection, I couldn't bring the information back. So that in itself took me months of just like constantly trying. And then you can only try so much and then you have to take a break, let your energy build back up and then try it again. And then, you know, you find something, you write it down and then try some more and it might not happen for a while. It's just through repetition is how you learn. You know, once you've got in tune with it, then it's much easier to get in tuned again. But then if you don't do it for a while, then you kind of almost go back to square one and you got to start back over again. And it's, it's like a mental muscle. You have to keep it uh, exercised. And if you try to start from the middle, a lot of times you're, you probably won't be as, as uh, successful, but you're not, from my experiences, you're, you're not at any type of a, um, a threat or anything because from what I've experienced is these portals are for communication. You know, these aren't cr for crossing through. And if you are going to uh, try and cross through, then you need a lot more energy than, than you're probably going to be able to, uh, to, to access. So there's, there's kind of a self guard in there, but with anything uh, with people trying to access the astral or anything else, you have to have a very solid foundation. You have to be, you know, know your morals, know your beliefs, and be be very particular about anything that you feel threatened by or anything else, and you need to work a lot of that out. Because sometimes you'll see things that might not be something that you'll that you'll be able to accept right away or something that you don't understand. And if you feel threatened by stuff like that, then it's not a good situation. I don't, I don't feel threatened by really anything. I just don't, I don't put up with shit. That's the thing. If anybody were to try to threaten me, then for me, it's, you know, that's, it's game over. I'm not going to, I'm not going to feel threatened by anything. It just, that's just not what, the way I work. So you have to kind of have a, a moral stature that you kind of lay it out and say, okay, I'm going into this, you know, fear is not an option for me. I'm going into this and understand that there are a lot of things that aren't the same as me and they might be on a different edge, but I'm able, I'm willing to accept it and move on. So uh, that's kind of the way I look at things, but you have to be really strong in your beliefs and you have to be strong within your you know, your morals and, and be very sure of yourself. And I think that's the, that's the first thing that you need to do. You know, you can't, you can't be afraid that something's going to attack you. You can't be afraid that something is going to take over your body or pop through the portal. None of that ever enters my mind. Usually when you're in, in that situation, your main focus is always going to be concentrating on the information 
that you are receiving and paying attention, just absorbing what's happening. Because your full attention is completely 150% focused on what's happening. You have to consciously be there. So it takes it takes mental effort and it takes an uh, energy in order for you to, to do this. And there's really no time to focus on anything else than what's happening there. Now, you mentioned information and, and everything else. Like, What is some of the information that you've actually gotten from these things when you're over there? 90, probably 98% of the information is personal. It'll just be, it'll just be information like, um, it's never, now when I use the, when I use the, um, hold on a second, let me look here. When I use the, um, keeping the gate, the window, the gateways open, there was two different experiences like that. Most of the time, what I will experience is I'll walk in or, or I'll enter in the middle of a conversation. Now, the conversation is usually only one way. They'll be telling me something. Now, sometimes it'll have something to do with a geometric shape. And I'll listen. I'll write it down. And then I'm like, well, this, you know, I'll try to look things up, but it just doesn't, it, the information for me doesn't really mean much. Or sometimes I'll see pictures. And then when I come back, you know, I'll give you an example. I have one right here on the tape. Um, I went through, went through, and then I came back and there was a table. It was a rectangular table and it had three lines. And they were kind of spaced unevenly across from one side of the table to the other, you know, the skinnier side of the rectangle. And each one of those wide black lines had a Z next to it, almost like it was a game, like a game table. But I didn't get any explanation with it. I got it. I, I came back. I, I drew it. Um, and then it was a wooden table, but there was no explanation with it. Sometimes when I go there, I just get visual. Like I said, the one time when I went, when I ended up at the end of a cave, it was a long, kind of a long cave. There was a being on the other end of it. And he had the, the brown cloak on the hooded cloak. And he said, this is a portal. And what we, what you can see on this end, we can also see on that end. And I said, is this, you know, you can see me. And they said, yes. So that was kind of just like, okay, I, now I know when I, the whole time I was laying in bed, when I was seeing this stuff, the, that's why these people were moving around because the beings were moving around because they knew I was there because they could obviously see me. So whatever is visual on that end is a visual on this end. Sometimes I'll end up in a town. Now, when I say a town, it's portrayed as a town, but it's not, it's not, um, I'm sure it's not a real town. And the and a person speaking to me looks like a guy. Well, he told me something about a lady that was there. And 
I didn't understand what he was saying because he was explaining her. And when the lady walked out, it looked like a female in the face, but then on her back, like where her, you know, wherever her back would go into, it went into this like round, almost like, a you know, like a, what a round cheese grater would look like. Yeah. And it was just, just right above where her, you know, back would end. And then it almost looked like these uh, o- octopus tentacles coming out of the holes in her dress. And they were probably, I don't know, maybe six feet long coming out. And then she was walking along and I was so enamored with seeing her. I was like, wow. And he was talking. I just really didn't pay attention because my focus was all on like, well, I've never seen that anything like that before. That's totally weird. And she just kind of walked by and then the session ended. So sometimes when I'm getting information, if there's something occurring that totally gets my focused attention, I don't really pay attention to what's going on because I'm thinking, wow, I would have never figured that. I would I don't think I've ever seen that before. It just it just sometimes it just like there's no words. You know, I come back and I I draw draw what I see or um I write down something. And sometimes people are just like from the time that I connect until the time that I end, they're talking. And sometimes I get right in the middle of a conversation. So I've absolutely no idea what they're saying. And by the time I start to get a grasp on it, I'm disconnected. So it's sometimes it's just, it's frustrating for me because I'm trying to bring back information, but other times it's just, you know, people will be talking and maybe more than one. And then we're in the middle of uh, some buildings and my focus is on trying to get a bearing on where we're at and listen to them. And sometimes I can't bring everything back. So it's, it's hit or miss sometimes. And other times I'm able to um, enter where they're at and actually be there. And at that point, sometimes there's absolutely no information coming in because I think at that point, it's just consuming the energy that I have just to be able to be there. And then I'm pulled out in a short amount of time. Now the glimpses are much shorter than the, uh, the portals at night. They're uh, probably, there's no way to time it. Cause I don't know when I go out, when I cross over and when I come back, I would say maybe a minute or so if that, but, but then again, 10 minutes over there could be, three seconds here. I don't know what the time difference is because I have no way of knowing when, when I make that connection and when I, how long it's been, because I might have to sit there for a few minutes to try to make the connection. Then once I make it, I'm over there. And then by the time I come back, who knows, it could be five seconds. I don't know how long it is on this side. I know over there, it seems like it's a lot longer and, or sometimes it's even shorter. But it's really difficult to um, to bring back information on subjects that 
they could be talking about that are science related. And if I don't have the basics, basic knowledge of what they're talking about, which usually I won't because they're using different terms than I would use, then it's going to be kind of, you know, it's more of a mystery. There was a couple things I wanted to talk about before we get this wrapped up. You'd mentioned this cloaked figure, hooded figure, and it reminded me of an episode that I recorded last year with someone that uh, they believe they're abducted by like extraterrestrials. And the thing that they were dealing with, the entity, they couldn't really see the face. It was like a cloaked figure and it was showing them things, giving him information, teaching him things. And then like it showed him a lady. He'd mentioned seeing something look like a lady and what they were doing to her. And I don't know. There was a little bit of a similarity. I feel like between his story and something that you'd witnessed too. So I'm wondering if maybe people that feel like they're having these abductions from these regressed memories or whatever, were actually doing like being able to appear or peer through the veil or whatever you want to call it into this other reality where they're seeing these things and they're actually encountering these other spirit beings, entities, whatever they are. And it's trying to show them things. Um, the fact that the ones that were wearing the, it, it looks like a monk's robe, mm -hmm. yep. you know, it's brown and it's made out of a material that's similar to a gunny sack. You know how it has the bigger openings in the fabric, but it's a dark brown and the hood is way over so that it completely covers like shadows the face. So you can't see anything and I don't see hands or feet but you can see it has the outline of a person now all the cloaked figures i have seen over the years have all had the same type of cloak on that dark brown the gunny you know the the monk looking thing with the hood on there and every time they push put their head down so i can't see their faces because it's already shadowed and it's usually in a darker room they've all acted the same they've all gotten out of my view at, except for the one at the end of the cave of course it was dark at the end of that cave but i could still see the silhouette but all of those have eluded me and that that one in the glimpse was the only one that's ever spoken to me that's the only one now the one one of them that i did see in the nightly portal he was looking down over a it looked like a like a king style bed, you know, like a what a king would have in a castle where it's got the huge headboard and everything. My viewpoint was from over the headboard down on the bed at about the middle. And the cloaked figure was on the on my left hand side. And they put their head down when I started viewing it. They walked all the way around the outside of the bed over to my right side up against the headboard so that I couldn't see them. It was out of my vision at that point. And then several other times I have seen them, but they've always moved out of the way because obviously they, they must know what my, my visual spectrum is through there. And I, they're out of my vision. I, so there's been no communication and they move away from me. So I've, I've never, you know, like I said, the only experience with the cloak ones has been the one in the glimpse that spoke to me. But I, I think that they're wearing that 
so that I have no, obviously no concept of what type of beings they are. There's no way that I'm going to know because if they're covered up, you know, and like I said in, in my intro, when we're in the astral, we're not going to have our, our regular figure. And within these portal connections, I'm sure it's probably similar to what I look like from what I, I would think, because from what I see, I'm sure I can't decide what I look like. So they're seeing it, but they have the ability to cover themselves up and they do it for a reason. And um, I've never seen anything myself that would look or resemble anything that like the greens or the grays. I've never seen any alien type looking uh, figures. Never. Everything that I've seen has just been pretty standard or what I've experienced. Now I have experienced, I did have one experience at night it was a night portal and it brought me to a two dimensional world. Never thought I'd, that that would ever even exist. And I had absolutely no concept when I got there, not only did I just see it, I was actually in there and I'll explain it to you. It's black and white. Those are the colors. They had some, a little bit of gray in there. There was sharp mountains in there, black mountains that had a little bit of a gray aspect around them so that you could still see the fact that they were mountains. The creatures, they reminded me of a, of a bird, but they, their features were very sharp like the mountains were. They had two eyes. I didn't see any mouths. And then they had what would I would say it would be their wings were very sharp features. I mean, like knife-like features. I was there and I could feel, I could, I could feel that they could feel my presence. I, I knew that they could be dangerous, but I knew they weren't going to attack me. And they knew that I wasn't going to cause trouble. But while I was there, there was a connection with them. Now, with a two-dimensional creature that has the ability, a wild creature that has the ability to attack, I'm right next to them. My face is like, I would say like inches from them. And what I would consider my face. And I was there. We could feel each other. We didn't communicate because obviously they didn't speak. And, and we knew mutually that there was peace. There was peace with them. And I was there for probably 30 seconds. And I was just right there. And I was like, wow. You know, I mean, if, if I was going to guess about anything or any creature would look like, there, was, there would be no way that I would, I would think that there somehow could be a two-dimensional world. It was just so foreign, and I and I just couldn't believe it. I, unless I would have saw it for myself, there's absolutely no way I would have believed it because it was like, and I was there with them. So I knew they were alive. They were just as alive as I was. They had thoughts. They had feelings. And they were just living creatures, you know? And we just knew each other. We understood each other. And we were in the same place at the same time. And we shared that experience. 
And out of all of the portal experiences, I would say that one sticks in my mind the most. Before we, uh, I've got one more question and I don't know how you feel about this, but with you coming forward and talking about that, you're able to do this. Does that make you a little bit concerned of what, not so much the people listening, but like other agencies out there that can that do research on this. And I know like certain alphabet agencies were doing experiments on people, but then probably still do. Does it make you concerned that they would try and figure out who you are and want you for their own benefit? I can tell you right now, they already know who I am. Yeah. And the way that I look at it is, if I have, well, I, I have, I have beings with the ability to create space-time connections showing me stuff over 26 years and allow me to experience a lot of these things. I, I, I'm not concerned. I really, I really don't care because, you know, if it wasn't, I, I do believe at some point we, uh, mankind had the ability to make, have these connections. And I think a lot of this information was lost or covered up. I think this is something that, that naturally occurs. It's not, you know, I'm not the only person in the world that it happens to. It's just most people don't realize it. And if I don't bring this information out and, and so that people can access it, then it seems just to be a why, why even show it to me? You know, I mean, it's not like it just started happening, you know, six months ago or a couple of years. This is this is over 26 years. I mean, this is a long freaking time. And and to tell you the truth is. I used to be concerned about people finding out about it and I'm old enough and I'm wise enough now that I really don't give a shit what, you know, I, I don't feel threatened by, by all this BS. I can see what's going on, you know, in daily life. And I know what's going on in the astral. And I know there's a lot of crap that's happening. And I know that people need all the, the, uh, the faith and the help they can get. And I really don't, I really don't care what a lot of this other stuff is. And I, you know, a lot of these places are already, have already developed portal connections. They've done it through their research and their facilities and stuff like that. So there's no way they're going to, you know, I mean, if they feel threatened by my experiences, then they're, they're pretty small time. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm not really concerned about it. Okay. Well, if there's anything else you'd like to talk about, now would be the time. I know before we wrap this up, I want everyone to uh, know where they can find your book and a little bit more information about that. Yeah, just um, Amazon, uh, My Dark Explorations, very short book. 
just shortened to the point. And then I have a Facebook page, my explorations, my dark explorations and this Facebook page. And then I also have another, I have a short YouTube channel that I post videos once in a while. It's called my dark explorations. I try to keep it easy to remember. Um, and, you know, if people have questions and stuff, they can post it on the Facebook page or, or whatever. I'm open to, you know, answering, you know, people's questions and stuff. I'm not going to elude anybody. It's just, um, you know, I want to share the information and, and, and at, at a point we'll get people making the connections. And, and I think in a lot of ways, people just kind of need to wake up and, and sometimes it takes a little bit more to get them to really realize that, yeah, our daily lives are important, but when it comes down to our spiritual connection, um, it's the most important. And I was just super hyper-focused on the astral projection when I first started. And that just kind of, you know, I was just super focused on it. And that's how I made it happen. But once you start to experience things and you get a little bit older too, you'll realize that there's so much more to life, you know, and you get to understand that there's so much more out there than we could ever, you know, consider. It's uh, it's unlimited. And um, you begin to appreciate things a little bit more when you see there are so much, some things can be so much different, you know, and, um, and then maybe people won't spend as much time on their phones because they'll be focusing on more of their spiritual side and, uh, and kind of getting back to the basics, you know, kind of where we came from. And um, I think that maybe will maybe help wake some people up. And if maybe if it only helps one person, that's more than it would have been helped if, uh, if we wouldn't have had the information out there. Yeah, I agree. Well, Mike, it has been a pleasure. And again, I do appreciate you coming on here and talking with me. It's one of those topics that I think that uh, there's a lot more to this world we live in. And it's nice to be able to talk to someone that's been able to experience some things that other people can write off as baloney or whatever they want to say. But I, I keep an open mind. So I've always thought that there's more to going on than what we're able to see with our own eyes. So it makes more sense to me that there's a, we see in a 3d world and obviously there's different dimensions past that. So I've right. always wanted to know more about it than just accept what I have and what's told to me is this is what reality is, but I think there's a lot more to it than just that. Oh yeah. There's, there's so much more. I mean, and the more that I learn, the more that I realize how much I don't know. So the more experience I get, all it does is just drive me to experience more and to realize that I know absolutely nothing. And um, it's, it's just one of those things where there's, it's a never ending, uh, you know, struggle. <laughs> it's, you know, there's, it's nothing worse than, having experiences with no answers to connect with. And, um, and there's nothing worse than watching a, a show where they promise you something at the end or a book and there's really no answers. For me, the answers are the point. And if, you know, what's the point of 
having something and then, you know, well, I, I think this and I think that, well, there's at least if somebody has answers, whether they're right or wrong, at least they've come to a conclusion. And that's why I tell everybody, uh, question everything and prove it for yourself, because that's the only way that you're going to know if it's true or not. I'm not telling anybody to believe me because it's up to them. If the proof is in the pudding, if you really want to know if it's true or not, I've given you the all the basics. Prove it for yourself. And then once you've proved it for yourself, you know what truth really is. So don't believe anybody unless you've proved it for yourself. Yep. Oh, I agree with that too. But I think we're going to wrap this one up. So again, thanks for coming out and talking with me. Hope the audience enjoyed this. And again, if they want to find you, you want to plug your Facebook one more time. My Dark Explorations on Facebook. Remember, the truth lies in the stories we share, the connections we make. Stay curious, stay open-minded. Thank you all for joining us on this journey, and until next time, keep questioning, keep seeking, and keep exploring the unknown. Good night, everyone.